0: All right, everybody, welcome to uh, Shallow Dives. Um, so the last time that we recorded, we did a little Oscar special, like pre the Oscars, um, kind of gave our predictions, gave a rundown of our, you know, what we thought of each best picture. We had seen, well, you hadn't seen Little Women. I know you have now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so we've all both seen the nine best picture nominations. But during that conversation, we kind of teased what we're going to do this week, which is sort of talk about our actual favorites. Now, for the past like month or so, I've been like marathoning movies like crazy. I've mentioned this on several podcasts because it is exhausting. It's consumed my whole dang life for the past month, you know, just using my weekends to just freaking do a deep dive into 2019 to, to make this list as fair and balanced as possible, Fox News style. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited to uh, actually talk about some really interesting things this year that, you know, possibly not a lot of people have seen. Um, it's been a very, very interesting year for movies. I don't know how you feel, dude.
1: Yeah, I would say, uh, number one, uh, which is usually how this works in our friendship, you, you do the heavy lifting as far as, uh, as like, you know, do, you know, doing more expansive research. And so I want to thank you in advance. But I would say this, it felt like an abnormally good year for film. Uh, Mm -hmm. superhero blockbuster fatigue aside which i totally had in 2019 uh there was a lot of personal stuff and a lot of the stuff like i'm glad that we're doing it this week because i was able to catch a couple of movies and all three of the movies that i was able to watch uh ended up in this list so we're gonna do a top 15 i know you wanted to do some honorable mentions up top but um and and we should let you do that but uh, i was just gonna kind of uh comment with you which is to say that like uh, this was fucking a really weird year for movies, man. Uh, overall, yeah, uh, yeah, but, very weird. Because I, it's like we are getting um, that first wave of representational stories, which a couple of those definitely made this list, and I want to talk about that, while still getting like weird, daring. Um, like throwback films, you know, Mm. Uh, I'm I'm not going to name it here, but you know what I'm talking about. Like the idea that like, even in 2019, right, we're still – taking really weird diverse chances uh but it felt like for the first time where we're doing it in an inclusive way and we're paying dividends out like oh holy shit who knew if you gave people <laughs> like who have different culture and stories a platform to talk that they could make really amazing affecting art and you still get all the other shit too like it felt like we were getting that first wave man um so i'm really excited so uh i guess let's begin but before we begin uh give us some honorable mentions things that didn't quite make the uh top 15 sir
0: sure so things just outside of the top 15 i'm just going to run down really quick um number 20 i got in fabric which is directed by peter strickland he did barbarian sound studio a24 release a uh, really really fun uh, movie about a killer dress it's kind of an ode to italian giallo horror um the sound design in this is fucking incredible it's weird it's quirky it's funny in ways i didn't expect um, Super entertaining movie, and it does manage to make a dress menacing, so there's something to be said about that. Really recommend in Fabric. Um, Number 19, I got a tie between Chained for Life and One Cut of the Dead. Uh, They're both kind of tied because they're very similar. They do this magic trick where as you're watching it, you think it's one thing, and then it turns out to be another thing. And what that thing is, is both of them are movies within movies about making movies, Yeah, Um, if I can
1: jump in really quickly, I just want to say one kind of that I caught a couple months ago. We talked about it uh, briefly. Yeah, um, uh, because I I got into your uh, I got my own shutter account and it was like, oh, my God, because, you know, I'm a big <laughs> fan of horror. and That was right. the one that really stuck out to me. And I feel it's a little bit of a cheat because I know it's been around since, I believe, 2017. It's been hitting the festival circuits like crazy.
0: Right. And most of these movies, to be fair, have like a lot of them are technically 2018 movies or whatever, right. but didn't get released stateside until 2019. As so I threw them on here anyway. The I don't give a stuff. shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, I just wanted to commend that one, too. It didn't make my top, but it certainly, like, um, uh, fucked up and bad comparison. I compared that to The Dead Won't Die, mm-hmm. obviously uh, for the material and the genre that it's working right. with. And I think, like, as much as I love Jarmish, I actually kind of like that movie. Uh, it's not great, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I'll just watch Bill Murray do anything. Uh, I found this to be the more inventive and, like, you know me, dude. I've hit you up, like, talking about movies that had, like, ten thousand dollar budget to be like that's fucking punk rock dude like that's what films about man and i don't think there's a bigger example of that this year maybe there is and i'm ignorant but one kind of the dead go see yeah uh,
0: and it it turns out for the first 30 minutes i really didn't like it at all and then it turns into a whole other thing and i won't spoil what that other thing is but it ends up being a very sweet kind of tribute to low budget indie filmmaking um, and then Change for Life alternately is the closest thing that we'll ever get to the 1930s film Freaks in modern day. It's about, well, actually, I won't even get into it. It's very Lynchian, very strange, and very thoughtful look at physical deformities and disabilities. Um, really, really good. Uh, number 18 is Uncut Gems. Is this on your list?
1: Yeah, Uncut is on my list. And I think this is the first example of how I fucked up. Uncut is 12 on my list.
0: Oh, Okay. Yeah, so well, so we're well, gonna save it
1: for that, but but cool, yeah. it's on your list at 18. Right on, cool.
0: Yeah, it's number 18 on my list. Uh, number 17, uh, another film I believe is on your list is Transit. So I will hold off on talking about that as right. well until we get to your list. And then number 16 is a movie I literally just saw today, and it would probably be higher up on this list if I had more time to think about it. But uh, Synonyms is a Nadav Lapide. I'm probably fucking that up. Um, Israeli filmmaker it was an Israeli and French co-production. Um, I don't even want to spoil exactly what this is about, but it's about a lot of things. It's very, very uh, sort of volatile from one moment to the next. You never know if the movie is going to be terrifying or funny or sad. Um, it was a genuinely thrilling watch. Uh, for a movie that's essentially about a guy who's trying to move to France. Um, So check out Synonyms. It's fucking great.
1: As you made the joke a couple times, you are reticent to move to Los Angeles because you say by the time you get out here, I will have decided I wanted to move to (laughs) France. So uh, this is the movie I'm going to check out. Continue, sir.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, just a couple more things about Synonyms. It does feature a lead performance, um, and I forget the guy's name, but honestly, one of the best performances I've seen all year like it's just this very expressive strange uh confrontational (laughs) performance kind of reminded me of like a young james dean if james dean was a better actor Um, right i
1: was gonna say this with acting this year and we'll talk about it specifically when we get to the couple movies that i want to say it's like i've uh, really loved not knowing who the fuck these people are because right. it makes it a better experience where I'm like, this is just purely fiction. These people don't exist. Like, this right. Is like the it's like some, somebody just ever. filmed some real people or right. something, right? right. Yeah. It's not
0: yeah. Tom Hanks dressing up as Mr. Rogers, which I'm sure right. was wonderful, but, you know, yeah. You
1: make my list because I didn't watch it, and I love Tom Hanks. You know that. I know you don't. Harsh on Hanks 2020, but...
0: <laughs> no, I love <laughs> Tom Hanks. I just hate that I love Tom Hanks. Yeah, um,
1: you should. All right, so was that 17, so what's 16?
0: that was synonyms so i already got to my honorable mentions okay yeah we're we're caught up
1: yeah we just figured it out all right cool man well let's start man and i i will go uh well how about you go first what's your 15 let's see if i've even fucking watched it we'll go 15 i know Uh, my movie at number 15 is nowhere near your top 20 so well well,
0: my number 15 is a fun little indie comedy called hagazusa which is not a fun little indie comedy at all. Did you see this movie?
1: No, I did not. Now, here's the thing. It was between that and Last Black Man. Uh, mm-hmm. if I end yeah, up watching, you probably
0: made the more fun choice.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I've heard that because when I finally looked into it, I was like, what is this movie about? Whoa, fucking deep demons and shit. Like, it got really interesting really quickly to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's,
0: so somebody described it as the female eraser head set in like 14th century Austria during the plague. And it does hit a lot of the same story beats, believe it or not, as Eraserhead. That's not far off. It's very tonal, almost completely absent of dialogue. It's about this this woman um, who's possibly a witch raising a baby um, kind of in isolation. Um, and the townspeople don't trust her. And there's like a lot of uh, symbolic imagery. And I won't give away what happens. It's kind of divided up into these very surreal chapters um with titles like blood and antlers and fire Um, and as the movie goes along things sort of ramp up to the point where the last 10 minutes um genuinely made me feel physically sick and i can't i can't remember the last time a movie made me have like a physical reaction Um, and what shocked me even more is that this fucking thing was directed by a guy named lucas hagelfield as a student film and it doesn't look anything close to a student film like this is every bit as beautiful as Robert Eggers, the witch, which it also shares a lot of similarities with. Um, But, yeah fucking stunning debut you, for a, you, a student you filmmaker got me
1: for i mean yeah did you i mean you, you're looking at me like you saw yeah. me i was like what oh huh? student film. <laughs> yeah no because because i think we've seen a lot of student films from people we really respect and like and we're like well yeah, it's a student film Yeah, it's, uh, it's more like
0: a nice did, try nice try yeah right yeah you're like you'll
1: get them next time and you and you play punch them and you call them right slutter. uh but that's that's really intriguing so yeah i mean it was on my list and i and i, I i'm gonna say i still feel like I made the better choice for where I yeah. am right no <laughs> no
0: th- this movie will genuinely make you feel like shit it's barely got a plot it's a lot of uh, increasingly surrealist imagery compounding on itself until again the last 10 minutes will probably make you want to fucking vomit so don't eat before you watch it that's the best thing I can say um but yeah check out Zusa if that sounds like your idea of a good time
1: i am real into it uh before i do mine uh, i just want to say i had to kill one of my darlings when reconstructing this top 15 uh Mm -hmm. and since it wasn't a narrative film i i chopped it off but uh apollo 11 is an honorary Mm -hmm. mention which is a documentary you can find it on hulu right now where they compiled all of the footage i mean i mean all the footage from the nasa kind of program from launch to getting to the moon and back and they cut. I mean, this was like, I mean, it took like two weeks, right? So Mm -hmm. however many hours that translates to of this ridiculous, like restored 4k, beautiful thing. And the best thing about it is like most documentaries will have like, I'm Morgan Freeman or Kevin Bacon or some shit right and 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 they're gonna talk over this stuff and i love it because they make you a fly on the wall in the film and so Mm -hmm. you just like you hear houston and then you hear neil armstrong and like i'm also a geek on this so i know like little things like there was an error code that was happening as they were gonna descend and like just to hear that in real time when you know right so this
0: isn't narrated by anything but the like diegetic like this is what was happening
1: yep Literally. That's like Houston to Buzz Aldrin to fucking yeah, yeah. Neil Armstrong. And, it, and it's literally one of the most fucking cerebral experiences. Now, I also saw it um, and it, I'm not going to get to my 15 I promise but it's so wonderful I want to give it a, a thing I saw yeah. it when I, I got back from Puerto Rico and that Puerto Rico flight was a red eye but we didn't sleep on it so I had been mm-hmm. up for two straight days and then I went home and I was like alright I guess I, you know you know how it is when you're like so tired you're wired when you're almost.
0: deliriously <laughs> tired you're like might as well watch a documentary
1: put it on and I'm like I'll be asleep in 20 minutes and I was not I was like holy right. shit dude so I just want to give that an honorable mention uh, please go nice. watch that uh, my number 15 is a spanish language film that i really liked. it's also i guess a horror film but it's it's i think it's a horror film for other reasons i would say it's more supernatural it's called uh, the, the tigers are not afraid um mm-hmm. spanish language film that i made you watch i know it's not high on your list but um and you like it it's just like there was a really good year for film right that was your that was your deal
0: yeah and this is like i i don't want to come close to like shitting on this movie in any way i thought it was a really kind of wonderful low budget effort um definitely like magical realism which uh, as i was watching it i was like i can definitely see why christian would fucking love this yeah. this is like made for christian it's a low budget magical realist sort of picture of like a real world problem put through the eyes of a child um but yeah no i i very much enjoyed the tigers are not afraid it just didn't uh, stick out in my memory when looking back on this year as much as a lot of other movies did.
1: Uh, you know, what's weird. I would almost compare it to Florida Project. Stay with me. Uh, <laughs> besides the, the kid, you know, performance thing, right? Which I think Florida mm-hmm. Project found, whoever that kid is, holy shit. If she's not ruined yeah. already by that experience, I assume she will be going on to do amazing work, right? Whereas um,
0: like natural performances where you feel like you're just watching kids right yeah.
1: so when she yeah. cries at the end i'm just like i am ugly crying looking away from my wife because i don't feel like i can see that you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but that also had willem defoe and also you know what i mean like there were anchored performances that you could draw away from and stuff like that i think that's the one sure. thing that kind of suffers not to say there's not adults in the film and the film is about like it's, it's um, on a cartel border town that's largely been decimated Mm-hmm. um by that by that crime and and like uh, there's these kids that are running around and they're like a local gang but they're not a gang because they're like you know ruffians they're they're gang because they're all orphans their mothers have been killed by the cartel uh and mm-hmm. it's just this really kind of dark and disturbing story but it has all these kid actors and while i love all of those performances that's such an anomaly because i fucking hate kids as you know uh it still felt like that was the thing kind of keeping it back like it almost felt like kids making pretend which is great right. in a way but you know what i'm which, saying but there's that something missing there's that extra layer that that really cements it like and, and i can't put my finger on it but that's how i feel about it but i other than that i really loved it what were you gonna say max
0: oh i was just gonna say like that kind of ties into a movie that is further up my list that kind of accomplishes that too um to a much eerier effect but i'll talk about that a little later
1: for sure uh, I mean, that's all I really wanted to say on it, man, because I know we wanted to do quick little blurbs on on the, the 15s through the 10s, mm-hmm. I believe. But um, I, I do really like that movie. And again, anytime, I, as I said earlier, we're getting to the point where we're getting this mass influx of really wonderful stuff. And with things like Shudder, the real importance of those streaming services is they are picking uh. up foreign language films. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Because you're not just uh, getting... Because like we said earlier, One Cut of the Dead is on Shudder. It's all of, what, four bucks a month extra on Prime? Like, it's really not... Maybe even less, I'm not sure. It's really not that big of an expense if you like horror Shutter. I feel like we're sponsored by Shudder at this point, but it includes I a lot of things. It's awesome. It's not just... It's not just like trash horror and 80s horror. It's also like art house horror and foreign horror. So it's a good
1: variety of things. It's pretty cool. But the best part of it, and I know it does sound like responsive, is that it does have trash horror. <laughs> like,
0: oh, yeah, it thing, does. It's
1: awesome. <laughs> it's like it's a one-stop shop. Anyway, uh, I'm not shilling sh- for Shudder. I'm just saying that I think that's the importance of it, that these things like got on my radar because of my accessibility to it there. Uh, mm-hmm. and this is an example of that. Um, so go shutter and go watch The Tigers Not Afraid. Uh, let's move on to number 14, Max. What's your number 14 film?
0: Um, my number 14 is a movie called Bait by Mark Jenkins. Um, now, Mark Jenkin, I've never seen anything he's made. I don't know a whole lot about him, but I know for this movie, um, he not only directed it, he edited it, he processed the film personally, and he did the score, and he wrote it. Um, and it's a very, very small – go ahead, sorry.
1: That's Robert Rodriguez. No, it's just a small aside from our greatest director of all time, Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> shot, chopped, and scored by Mark Jenkins is how he should have put it. If he was a fucking maniac like Robert Rodriguez. Continue. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, Mark Jenkins uh, – yeah, no, he, he made this thing um, – what's strange about it it's it's in a a smaller kind of more four by three aspect ratio similar to the lighthouse which is further up my list black and white 16 millimeter and because he processed the film himself it's very grainy and textured and kind of fucked up in parts and it adds to this eerie effect when you're watching it because you never know what's going to pop up in that boxy frame on top of that they didn't record sound on the day so you ha- it has the effect of watching a silent film with the lines dubbed in. So it's like watching a silent and horror film or foreign film at the same time. Um, it's a really, really strange effect. It's about briefly um, this sort of Cornish uh, fishing town that is being taken over or gentrified in a way by much wealthier people who are kind of pricing these fishermen out of their homes and the sort of classist tensions that arrive from that. Um, but really it's just the overall effect of watching this movie it's it's just this really strange sort of ode throwback ode to like old time Hollywood it really did feel like watching a modern silent film um,
1: that's fucking great loved I mean it. obviously there's a movie later on I hope is both uh, later on on our list uh, that, that evoked the same thing and I think that it's really great especially because a lot of those films are turning they're hitting the hundred mark you know like mm-hmm. and also I, I read this thing and this is not to detour too much but like fucking like 65% of silent films are just fucking gone dude like it's so sad that a lot of these lost masterpieces will never be seen and the ones we have i'm glad that people are starting to go back and we're seeing it influence sounds like a companion piece to a movie that is much higher up on my list
0: yeah Um, and i I don't think that this movie was even made for fifty thousand bucks i could be wrong like it's as low budget as it gets but when you watch it that you don't feel anything was lost for it it's it's an emotional surprising engaging movie
1: you have to start pitching me in the, the language that I like to hear, guy. <laughs> like like 50000 It was what? cheap. I'm in. <laughs> like, the economy? I love it. Let's do it. No, uh, that sounds fucking awesome, dude. And, and again, I just feel bad because yeah. I'm going for the more popular routes on my pick. Um, well, but, I, I do want to hey, real ahead. quick
0: give a, a shout out because this is our stab at movie criticism. You know, we're still new to this fucking thing. Right. But I do want to give a shout out to a critic I respect and I would not have seen this movie if it weren't for him is Mark Kermode. Um, All of his reviews are free on YouTube. He's a really engaging, very loud, very passionate British film critic who's been doing criticism for like 40 straight years. Hmm. Um, And he championed this movie. He called it the best British film of the decade. Um, But yeah, yeah, check out Mark Kermode. Um, And good on him for championing something that is, uh, would otherwise have been like lost on the festival circuit.
1: Yeah, you know, like I have critics for TV that I really trust. I don't have any film critics anymore. You know, hmm. like all our great film critics are dead. That's not true. I just need to find someone that I really trust. But anyway, um, so uh, I'll go on to my number 14, which is a real popular pick. And I don't have too much to say about it, but I will wax philosophically for two minutes and then we can move on unless you have something passionate you want to say about it. Um, number 14, I want to say uh, Ryan Johnson's movie Knives Out.
0: That Out mm-hmm. was like
1: a really fucking cool script, man. Um, yeah, that was my number
0: 22. It was an honorable, honorable mention. But yeah, no, I, I loved it. It was great.
1: to be something that is like fucking new but simultaneously playing within a wheelhouse that is well established uh, is is such a fun thing when it's done correctly uh, and a real fucking chore when it's not uh, yeah, and I just think like especially coming off all the backlash and shit, I just like love that he flexed that fucking muscle. Like you motherfuckers think I don't know how to write? Like, all right, <laughs> hold on. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean
0: like, this is this is following to put this in context in case you somehow don't know who Ryan Johnson is and you're a Star Wars fan. Um, this is coming off of the public debacle that was the rollout for last Jedi, (laughs) the the ensuing and continuing sort of fucking train wreck that has been public discourse for that movie. And this guy still managed to overcome that and release a movie that's not based on anything um, that has no source material. That's uh, an ode to Agatha Christie murder mysteries and still managed to be one of the top grossing movies of the year. It was like the surprise hit of the, you know, sort of fall movie season.
1: Dude. And if Parasite isn't parasite it i think it wins best original screenplay like that or or once upon a time right like i I don't know what was better than that in terms of just like holy shit i'm saying something i haven't seen before uh i like the way it subverts the expectations all that stuff um just by fucking with the conventions of the genre sure uh and as far as cast goes like everyone's fucking having a blast like can we just tony collette man like just she's she's great to to do like hereditary and then and and, because that's the most recent thing i've like seen her in i think uh and then to do this is just like it's like a
0: trashy dilettante in this yeah i know she's
1: incredible and then and that's to speak to literally everyone else man chris evans is having fun uh don johnson Mm -hmm. i think we've already talked about this uh don't know why he was ever in fucking acting jail because he is awesome and I'm glad he's having a year. Um, what's her, Anna de Armas? Is that her name? I, I, like,
0: Anna, I Anna de Armas, yeah. And I think Chris Evans or somebody recently said that she's going to be the next like crossover global sensation pretty soon. I believe it. And like no. rightfully so. Like she is, she steals this movie in a way I didn't expect. I didn't even realize she would be a main character based right. on the, the trailers. Like they really did sort of bury the lead with that in a good way. Um, but yeah, she's fucking great
1: here's my last point on it which is like how good she is she has scenes with chris Plummer, and chris Plummer is like (laughs) like we all sleep on it because he's so good and he's been so good for fucking like 65 70 years now but like Mm -hmm. just she holds her own against that guy uh who was very much not phoning it in like still able he's on screen for 12 minutes and still like able to bring something really great to it and it's uh you know that's all it needs to be said about it, so yeah, go watch Knives Out. Really like that movie. That was my number 14 pick, Maxwell. What's your number 13?
0: Hey, number 13 High Life, the Claire Denis Robert Pattinson movie. saw it,
1: awesome! Oh, you did.
0: Is this on your list? No,
1: I didn't saw it. You saw it. You hadn't seen it oh. last time we talked about this. Yeah,
0: no, I saw it like in April of this year, so what's... definitely saw it, but uh. <laughs> Um, But no, uh, High Life, A24 release. Um, This is, if you've never seen a Claire Denis movie, it's sort of hard to put into words what makes her movies distinct and special. Um, And I've only seen three. I've seen This, White Material, and Trouble Every Day. And every single movie I've seen from her uh, tackles a completely different genre while still remaining uniquely her. Um, She usually tackles uh, subjects like um, sexuality, of male on female violence, um, usually has some element of human beings going feral or going wild or going native in some way. Um, and this movie is no exception. It's about a group of prisoners who are tasked to, uh, basically fly into a supernova on this years long space journey, this really strange sort of, uh, ugly utilitarian looking spaceship. Um, and there are other things going on that I don't want to reveal, but it's sort of what happens when you put a bunch of criminals on a ship together over a prolonged period of time. What does that do to their psyches? What happens to them? Um, it's got one of my favorite mo- uh, scenes of the year, uh, which is like this sort of, uh, I-, I don't know if you've heard about this, it's the the fuckbox scene. It's basically...
1: <laughs> I haven't, but you've caught my attention.
0: <laughs> well... <laughs> no um it deals a lot with like uh sexuality and how they handle that and everything and there's this uh there's this box on the ship and it's one of the most surreal scenes of the year in which um juliette brinoche who is the doctor in charge of everybody on the ship enters this fuck box and has this sort of wildly surreal masturbation session which doesn't sound cinematic but it weirdly is and it's disturbing and strange and interesting um but yeah high life uh check it out i don't know if i sold literally anyone on it based on that description i like um, that you're
1: like it doesn't sound cinematic and i'm like but when you have an old pro like juliet you know she goes in there but when is on the fucking set she's gonna make that shit <laughs> sing you know
0: she's gonna make that fuck box scene uh work and she does um, but no, uh, it's a good intro to Claire Denis, who is, st- I think, one of our most interesting filmmakers. She really gets a lot out of her actors, and Robert Pattinson is fucking great in it. Um, so check it out.
1: Very interesting. Uh, mine thirteen. We're gonna go into the heart of darkness as well, sir. Mm. I- Ad Astra, um, which hey. occupies two parts of my brains, which is this weird schizophrenic movie at times. Not enough to like ruin the experience at all, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but enough to to keep it from real greatness um but then simultaneously being like not a not a terribly expensive i believe it's 80 million which is not cheap but not you know for space i think nolan got 200 million for interstellar you know what i'm saying like yeah no um,
0: they're very smart with how they parse out that budget because for the most part no real dodgy effects except for one particular scene i can think of right um yeah yeah, it, it looks it looks wonderful yeah
1: uh and 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 beyond the economy of filmmaking which as we've already talked about is what i like because this is the equivalent of like some dude you know doing a fifty thousand dollar i mean it isn't obviously but to do something on that scale and that scope and do anti-gravity and to do space travel and all that shit on a budget like that while also being such a weird like meditative uh Tra- I don't translucent i almost said that's not accurate but but like this this fever dream almost right right that that the longer you watch it it's like it, it, you know what it feels like to me weird comparison mm. highway hypnosis man you know when you're driving and you're in your eyes get a little soft and then you just kind of yeah. get back and you're you're on autopilot you're not breaking you breaking when you're supposed to break and stuff but you don't remember you kind of lose that that astra has that but not in a bad way it's very hypnotic yeah, it's
0: it's very meditative um, for sure. It's a meditative experience when you're watching it. And there's a few movies on my list that I would say that about. But yeah, I would definitely agree. Didn't end up as high on my list just for one very like specific reason, which is that it has, and we've talked about this, like a kind of Blade Runner theatrical cut sort of running voiceover that's just sort of explaining the things you just saw. And the movie is so wonderful because James Gray directed this. And he's one of like my favorite working directors. Uh, he did The Lost City of Z, which I have not seen, but also Two Lovers and some other things. He's um, a very, very good visual filmmaker. And he does a great job at communicating what's going on with Brad Pitt through action. And then, unfortunately, the movie has Brad Pitt then explain what he's thinking and feeling after you've just watched it.
1: Well, see, here's the thing. I think you nailed it. Uh, I know for a fact that this did test screenings and people didn't like it for some reason. Uh, So they Mm. had to do some reshoots and stuff like that. And I think the Blade Runner uh, analogy is probably fucking apt because that was never the intention that that Ridley Scott had for it. Uh, Harrison Ford, legend goes, purposely flubbed it to make it as bad as he could uh, until we got the good thing. So I don't know, I mean, I think that's the thing that kind of holds it back, but still kind of the audacity to make a big budget, but decidedly almost indie budget within the big budget realm, Uh, and to do it not in a place of action, maybe that has to do with the economy of filmmaking, uh, but but to do it and be so kind of existential about like our role in the universe, like we're talking, mm-hmm. about, it's kind of a big thing. And I and and. It stuck with me a lot longer, and I think that's why it's higher on this list. I'm sure there are other things that in the moment I enjoyed more, but I think really good film is shit that kind of sticks with you in some way. Like, if I have, if I have yeah. a weird nightmare about you, you've done something right. You know? And
0: and that's that that's something that we should say, or at least that I should say. I've been sitting with this list and sort of adding and subtracting from it for so long that I can confidently say if I saw no more movies from 2019, this list would change next week. It would change the week after that. Um, I'm strictly basing on this on what has stayed with me the most vividly over the course of that time and sort of ranking it from there. Like I'm not doing any sort of objective analysis. It's just like, what, what does my gut say right now? And Ad Astra is something that has stuck with me for sure. Um, it might move up higher on that list, but it's just for that fucking voiceover, man. Like it was so close yet so far.
1: Well, we'll see. You know, there might yeah. be like a real, like, you know, dude, there's Q&As all the time. And the next guy that fucker puts out a film would be like, bro, can we get a director's cut? Can we Blade Runner this movie? Because I What think, if he's you know, like,
0: it was the director's cut.
1: I don't believe you. <laughs> like, they wouldn't have made you reshoot <laughs> shit. And if so, I I don't respect you. I saw lots of EZ. You're a good filmmaker. What was that? Like You're right. Uh, um but, no, but
0: yeah but no yeah. wonderful filmmaking wonderful brad pitt performance too we should say probably the yeah. best of the two this year not that once upon a time was bad like well-deserved oscar but damn like this was uh another level for brad yeah, pitt i thought
1: the cherry on top we're going to talk about brad pitt a little bit later when we get to my number five movie um Ooh. uh but but Well, and also, I guess, my number six movie. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) What I'm going to say is, like, uh, I I think that once upon a time in Hollywood, I really loved that performance. That was Brad Pitt leaning into everything we love about Brad Pitt. And he did it so well, and he played the right notes that we gave him an award for it. Didn't mean he didn't deserve it. I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. like, that's what it felt. This was Brad Pitt being like, also, I can actually act. (laughs) And, like... And I know it sounds reductive to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but what I mean is like he had to do more with way less. And I think that that's great. If you can just mm-hmm. stay on a fucking screen and not say anything and you're captivating uh, and you're voting, right. you've won. And Brad Pitt does yeah. that in this movie. So that was my number 13, man. I'm glad we uh, crossed our space movies. That's awesome. Yeah, um, hell yeah. Number 12.
0: Um, Number 12. Uh, So I got pain and glory at number 12. Okay. Um, I'm really
1: excited to talk about this. Not to cut you off, but let me. Uh <laughs> Shady, Shady <laughs> Glory. Sorry. It's a Pedro Alma Devar film, and it's the first time in human history, mostly because you hadn't seen an Alma film until this past year, where you have seen an Alma Devar film before me. Like as a Spanish Yeah, it's
0: man, weird. I was like, dude, he's definitely gonna catch up. He's gonna see us like the day after me. He's gonna get like on it, but for unfortunate reasons, you just have not been able to. I haven't right? been
1: able to, and it breaks my heart, dude. And as a Spanish man, let me tell you, like, there are a few holy grail directors that we have, and, and Alma Devar really is one of them. And I know you've only yeah. in another film uh, but it might be a good sample size because what I was going to ask you about the film, well, actually, I'm sorry. Set it up the way you wanted to set it up and then I'll jump in with my questions. Pain and glory. Yeah.
0: I, I so I, I, going into this movie, I knew it was a movie that you couldn't fully appreciate unless you were very familiar with his filmography or with him as a director. So I at least like read the Wikipedia entry on it. I read a few reviews sort of before going into it just so I could have context. Okay. And really the only context you need, and, and it may like grow and appreciate for me, like the more stuff of his I see, and I'm sure it will, but really the main context you need is that it's sort of an autobiographical film about, you know, him and his friendship with Antonio Banderas, who plays a version of Pedro Almodovar Mm -hmm. um, in this film. Um, It's pretty much about this aging director who has uh, retreated into himself um, after years of chronic pain and health problems and everything. He hasn't talked to his um, leading man sort of muse in decades, this, uh, this actor that he worked with back in the early stages of his career. And the movie sort of plays out like a series of reunions with people from his past. Um, and it's structured in this very sort of... Uh, refractory dreamlike way in which he sort of like he meets up with this actor. He starts doing heroin, but it's not really about that. He uh, starts thinking back on his childhood. He starts getting into writing again. And really that's what the movie is. It's about this artist who has quit art, who has surrendered to the pains of the body and the spirit to sort of find his way back into creating art again. And it's a very thoughtful um, sort of romantic gentle movie about you know memory and about pain and about making art and finding the courage to make art again and i thought it was really really wonderful not knowing a lot about um you know this director's filmography or his work seeing the skin i live in um and the last thing i do want to say is antonio banderas um i said it to you after i saw the skin i live in and i'll say it again one of our best working actors and i didn't know that based on his american output And it's like, I need to see more shit with him speaking Spanish because this guy was fucking incredible. You do not for a second see Antonio Banderas. And if he had won for this film, the Academy Award, I would have been like, okay, shit, yeah, of course.
1: Um, I want to tell you, and I, you saw me light up, dude. Uh, because again, and like, we don't have a lot of awesome actors that we can point to. And like, Antonio yeah. Banderas growing up was like a big deal in my household. And sure, it was for desperado and assassins, but like, it was still this right. guy that I was Just like, like I'm
0: boots in boots. <laughs> it's like that, that's my Antonio Banderas, <laughs> right. unfortunately. Yeah, uh,
1: but still, it was like, oh, this guy sounds like the my people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've always really appreciated that guy. And also, when I got a little bit older and I started watching the Alma Tavar films being like wow you know um mm-hmm. and i do want to make a point about skin i live in here in a second but i'm just so glad to hear you say that 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 this is like a, a, a discovery for you because i've mm-hmm. always liked this guy and i always felt like i was kind of crazy like it was a, it was coming from an emotional place rather than like oh he's that great uh and then when you get to see his spanish language work i'm right. glad that it fucking moves you man. and it moves you and- so much
0: And it does have like that personal, it was great to have that context of Almodovar and Banderas did not talk for years. I think it was after Skin I Live In, like they had this falling out or something. And the movie deals with that through this director and a Antonio Banderas type. Um, And Antonio Banderas, the way he plays that role, like he's, you don't see Antonio Banderas at all. He's hunched over in pain. He's sort of like waddles like an old man like he's very withdrawn and quiet he doesn't play anything big at all it's all very restrained but very honest at the same time um really wonderful performance really wonderful movie too um i think i I would appreciate it even more if i saw it again i would really like to watch it again um but yeah check out pain and glory
1: yeah, man. Uh really quickly, I mean, obviously weird thing under the skin in it is the uh, or the skin I live in rather, um, is the most un- on one of our film ever. <laughs> While also mm-hmm. totally being unmistakably his movies. Uh in terms of like obviously it's not gonna go that strange, but like where does it rate on that weird Kinsey scale of devar films like it's not it's not nearly as strange or is it still strange in a different way or like what was your experience and takeaway compared to the two because i always feel like the skin in is like magnetic but the emotional current is very buried it's there but it's buried where this yeah it
0: it doesn't it doesn't have like uh, i like it a lot more than the skin i live in and i like the skin i live in a lot um it's it once you lock into what the structure of it is which is again that it's a series of reunions like Because at first it's very strange and elliptical. It'll be him and, you know, just as Antonio Banderas, and he'll be doing heroin or like just dealing with chronic pain or whatever. And it'll flash back to his childhood. And what you realize is that Almodovar is sort of showing you the before and after of this guy's relationships, like his relationship with his mother when he was a child and then when he was taking care of her as she was dying um, his relationship with, you know, his co-star when he was younger and then his relationship with his co-star now. Um, and it's just a series of interactions with people from his past or, you know, how those interactions have changed as he's gotten older. Um, and once you lock into that, it does become like this very romantic reflective and i'm not talking romance in the strictest sense like just like genuinely romantic i think if you've seen devar you know what
1: i mean right, um, well that's yeah. that's fucking great i'm really excited to hear that the old man's swinging what sadly it also sounds like the old man might be really looking back you know yeah maybe realizing he's it, old uh, it did
0: feel like an old man's film but not in the sense that like the irishman feels like an old man's film but yes yeah it definitely felt like a guy who's past his prime and reckoning with that
1: right a little bit let me just also say uh because he didn't make a movie this year but um alejandro jodorowsky which is like again spanish guy uh director i really love just turned 91 yesterday and
0: mm-hmm. i saw I your hope, post
1: i hope both of these fuckers live forever i just want to say that um <laughs> anyway let me move on um and i will definitely watch that the next time we talk i'll watch Glory. um De Mine, uh, number 12, is Uncut Gems. Uh, Uncut mm. Gems by the Safdie brothers. Um, like, uh, you know, and again, it's, a, it's kind of a weird movie to diagnose because I, I got to tell you, watching it the first time, it's not a movie that I really liked for the, mo- for the majority of the runtime. <laughs> That's right. Like, I'm like, I guess this is fine, especially in the beginning. And, and I like it to a degree. Don't get me wrong. It's one of the few times where I'm like, respect your game but hate your game, right? Uh, Yeah. It's like in the beginning, I feel like the first 20 minutes and they're trying to do it on purpose. It's like almost a symphony of the city, but people are just shouting and talking over people and it's like indecipherable and you're trying to figure out which thread you're following and stuff like that, you know? And I think, by design it's this like assault on your senses which as a filmmaking is awesome right like mm-hmm. this is all before we get to Adam Sandler's performance just on a filmmaking level I, I don't know if I loved it loved it loved it then we get to I think about 30 maybe 40 minutes until the end and then there's like a scene that happens and then suddenly like all the spitting plates suddenly come into this perfect unison and Mm. i understand why we spent all the time doing shit that didn't seem important to me uh and not not even that it's predicated on story it's just like on on a character level um and those last 30 to 40 minutes riveting you know like if the whole movie was that good this would be way higher up on the list uh that's before Mm -hmm. we get into sandler max how do you feel about uncut jobs
0: Um, So I couldn't help but measure it up against the previous Safdie brothers movie that I saw good time with Robert Pattinson a boy who is like also quickly becoming one of our most interesting actors Twilight boy not that he's in this movie but good time on Amazon Prime if you haven't seen it Uh, follows a very similar trajectory kind of makes you feel the same as this does I think it's a an hour and a half to two hour long panic attack pretty much. It's just nonstop, you know, like you said, those overlapping voices and constant racing and shaky cam and constantly pressing in on people's faces very closely. Um, it's that signature Safety Brothers style. A good time, I think it was put to much better, more startling effect, maybe because it was the first time I had seen them do it. But also because I think the ending packed such an emotional uh gut punch um like the last moments of good time sealed the deal for me like you talked about the spinning plates kind of coming into unison like good time was that maybe times 10 uh, at the end like it really really is that good i think uh uncut gems for the majority of it i did feel like okay what is this in service of like this is all well done but what's the point like it's more or less a character study um and adam sandler I've kind of come around on his performance a little bit, but it's nothing that I haven't seen him do. It's just varying degrees of things I've seen him do. Um, But it has sort of like grown in my memory a little bit more, the more time I spend away from it. So I I don't know how you feel about any of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Sandler, it's not as revelatory for me as Punch Drunk Love was at the time. Or it's like,
0: oh, like if you twist this guy's sort of, vibe into an art house direction this is what happens
1: right but but, but even like and we've talked about this too it's a couple years later but like james l brooks man we're obviously you know we're indebted james l brooks is the reason the simpsons is the simpsons you know what i mean right. um you, you talking did, spanglish it's spanglish dude and i'm not saying it's a perfect movie but it has this really beautiful sentimentality to it that you don't really see anymore in movies uh and mm-hmm. he particularly had a couple notes where i'm like jesus dude like when you're not yelling, like every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> like, and uh, for all
0: its faults, funny people, same thing. Like when yeah. he actually goes dark or goes serious, it's like, okay, I've never seen that Sandler before. And you don't really get that in this as much.
1: Sure. However, playing within the arena that he's already built for himself, he did, uh he showed me a couple new hallways. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I'll give him that. Uh, I, there is a scene that is very reminiscent and I think this is the reason that only I take away from it but it, of a Mad Men speech, right? Or Don's like losing an account or maybe he wins the account in this speech because he's Don fucking Draper. But it's right. just like, you don't want some of it. You want all of it, right? Like going crazy, like smashing <laughs> yeah. and shit. And it's like, there's a scene that where, where Sandler has to do that and suddenly like the pathos of that character works. because I thought he was a fucking cartoon. But in that moment, right. in that scene, I'm like, oh shit, that, that's him now I understand what this is really about for this guy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that performance and then just the final 30 minutes, I think, is really what elevates the film into this kind of like upper tier film for me. I know it didn't quite make your list, but it was it was there. It was somewhere yeah. it was 18 for it was you, number 18
0: you know like uh for for a while it wasn't even on the list and then like the more time i was like yeah but uncut gems though i kept thinking about it um and it does it should be said it opens with like one of my favorite opening moments of the year which is it kind of zooms into the you know titular uncut gem this opal and you start seeing its depths while synth music plays over credits and then that you know sort of kaleidoscopic color turns into adam sandler's colonoscopy which is like sort of like a perfect like kind of dirty joke to start the movie off with um because it is like an art house movie every like both safety brothers movies I've seen are like kind of art house movies that don't take themselves terribly seriously <laughs> like there is a sense of humor at play they're not you know they're not too good to you know get down in the dirt a little bit which I liked
1: yeah um i mean also shout out to the actual opening of that uh, oh yeah which it reminded me of the fucking Exorcist of all movies because people don't seem to remember the Exorcist does not open in D.C. They're like in the desert, all right? Excavating ex- demons and shit like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like, what the fuck? I did not expect this. Uh, that whole mo- the movie is it's it's going to be a cult movie for sure. I think I'm curious to revisit it and see how I feel, but as of right now number 12 on my list uh max number 11 man we're in the palindrums. what do you got uh,
0: number 11 is on your list so we're gonna save it for later but once upon a time in hollywood is my right, number 11.
1: Yeah, yeah we will say that 11 for me uh is a film and i told a charming little anecdote and i'm gonna try to retell it here and pretend it's happening for the first time okay max ready <laughs> sure ready okay and roll sound action so max the other day uh i'm watching a movie and it's like kind of late and i'm and I'm watching it, uh, kind of on a whim, and 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 it's really engaging. Uh, and the whole time I'm watching it, I'm just like, dude, this movie is fucking like, it's tight, man. You know, there's no there's no chuffa, as I like to call it. Like, every scene is saying something. It's very stark. It feels great, you know. And mm-hmm. um, and I'm just like, when's the last time I felt that way about watching a movie? Like, and I mean purely felt that way but it It was just every single scene was perfect uh and i was thinking oh man it's this fucking uh phoenix movie that you made me watch you know what Mm -hmm. i mean and i was like oh shit that's what this reminds me of that's really cool anyway i go back to watching i'm like this is great this gets better and i'm like jesus this like this really reminds me of it even down to the plot a little bit and i'm like who made this movie i look it up guy shares my name what's his last name max Petzold all right that whatever you just said uh and i'm like what else did this guy do i look it up uh 2014 he did phoenix and i'm like oh. <gasps> what <laughs> sorry a long walk for somebody. i've never
0: heard this story before can i just
1: tell you by the way that that was the equivalent of like the west world creators not knowing reddit was a thing it's just like, right we're way ahead of you bubby uh no i watched this movie and i'll and i'll say much like phoenix where i was like i was really stunned by it uh, on a couple levels. One, when I don't know who you are, I can really fall into the facade a lot more uh, mm-hmm. than when I'm watching Brad Pitt. I thought all the performances were really great. It's amazing looking at the list how many foreign films made this, which yeah. wouldn't be a surprise on most years, I think, if I had just watched them more. And again, access is the key. Um, but this movie was uh, was really, really great. Kind of deals with some of the similar kind of uh, like you know mistaken identity and getting intertwined in these lives and stuff like that. And I'm really hesitant to go too much further into it because it's even though there's not spoilers per se uh it really it kind of feels like this kind of hypnotic um uh, mm-hmm. what's the hallucination at times you know what i'm saying like yeah it's, it's, it's i really mean like really a good.
0: lot of the films on both of our lists i think it it does kind of share a dreamlike hypnotic quality and made all the more dreamlike the the hook of the movie is that it's based on a story about World War II that was released in the 40s. And what Christian Petzold does, which is so smart, is he takes this sort of Nazi invasion story and transposes it with, like, into modern day with modern imagery. So you don't necessarily see actual Nazis, but you see the rise of fascism and a sort of um, invading army or force uh, in France. And it's about this man who assumes another man's identity in order to escape. Um, While he still has the chance. Um, I won't say anything past that. Like, that's just the initial setup for the movie. Um, But I did want to say, yeah, like this made my number 17 spot on my list, but I loved it. Um, Very sort of quiet, meditative, um, understated uh, film about, you know, identity, about nationality, about country um and this uh this lead performance this guy friends uh rogowski also one of my favorite lead performances of the year much like the guy from synonyms a guy i'd never seen before um coming up and just uh delivering this sort of i don't know like it, it sort of floored me a little bit especially that final moment where yeah I, I won't give anything away but yeah i thought it was really good
1: um yeah man i it's it's i was gonna say about the just to the point where you were saying where it's like if you, i have fucking 2020 thankfully but if i didn't and i watched that movie it would be really hard-pressed for me to tell when that film is mm-hmm. even though clearly it's modern day but it's just the way that the story kind of is dealing with those themes it's really great man and again it's, it's hard to explain like i don't think i liked it as much as phoenix but that's just because phoenix kind of destroyed me with the last yeah phoenix is kind of
0: like a perfect movie like it's
1: sort of hard to top it yeah but it's great that that guy's making interesting things and and i think he's clearly has something with identity i think it's an interesting thing he's trying to work through but uh in any case really wonderful film and again this is an example of a 2018 film but i think we got it in 2019 um so yeah go check it out